With a broken heart, I report to you that many families are drowning under the hurricane waters of a world system that cannot possibly fix the problem. But there is someone who can. God has help for you. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse 17. The devil wants to keep you busy. Did you know that? Busyness does not equate effectiveness. One of the things that the devil does is keep us so busy, so preoccupied, that if we're not careful, we will miss the most significant things that God intends for us to have. One of the wisest men that ever led Israel was King David. And King David, we'll read about him this week in our reading plan at the end of 1 Chronicles. And David will say, God, you've done great things for me. But Psalm 127 is also a part of our reading plan that same day where that David comes after 40 years and he says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the wall, those who keep it do it in vain. You see, David understood something. He understood something that if you're not careful, the devil will keep you so busy that you will come to the end of your life and you'll look at the total thing that you did And you may say, man, I was busy, but I wasn't effective. Now, what I intended to do today was to do this, to take you into Song of Solomon and shock everybody in the house. But I'm not going to do that today because we're going to do that next week, so prepare yourself for that next week. But today, what I want to do is to to focus on one unique group in the body of Christ that, that really needs a touch today. They really need a touch all the the time. And and you say, who are these? These these are are single folks. Today I'm going to talk about the incredible beauty of singleness. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Listen to what it says. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called them. Now, Now write this down. It's your first fill in the blank. God's love is first towards you as an individual before it is toward the family that you are a part of. You see, here's the the problem that we have, and I I want you to hear this. God's intention is this, write this down. His intention is that you and everybody in this room would embrace, listen to this, the singleness that God created us to have. Here's what I discover in in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've often done a misservice to those who are single. Nobody's amening that, but let me give you the illustration of that. The illustration is this. Let's suppose a, a young lady has decided that, that the best thing that she can be, and Paul will see that, we'll see that in a minute, that the better thing to be would be to be single and live your whole life with, with no distractions, just you and God. That's what's the better thing. But what, here's what happens. That little girl turns 30. She goes to a family reunion. She comes up to a white-haired grandmother who hadn't seen her in four or five years. You know how you lose touch with time. And she looks at her granddaughter and she says, just, just how old are you? Right? At least we've experienced it. How old are you? And she said, well, I'm 30. And the grandma just looks her up and down and said, well, why aren't you married yet? I don't laugh because you just shot an arrow through the heart of somebody that maybe God called to be single. See, here's what ends up happening. Now listen to this. God says, look at the verse again as it comes on the screen for you. Look at the verse here of the text. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and which God has called him. So I want to ask you this. What has God called you first to do? 
You see, some of, some of our, our students are doing this. Write this down. They're enduring singleness. You know what enduring something is? You put up with it till you can get somewhere else. Some of the kids are, are enduring being at home, and they're like, I'm out of here in just a month or two. I, that's where I'm going. I'll, I'll be out of here soon. And, and listen to me. Some in this room today are, find yourself, listen to this, not only enduring it. Number two, write this down here. They're trying to escape it. You see, the, one of the worst traps, Brother Dan, that could ever happen to a person is to get in that trap that marriage is their pursuit. Anybody that's older in this room says, like, I can relax today. I'm married. This is not for me. Well, listen to me. You're going to find out in a moment that God's first call to you, no matter who you are, is one-on-one. Now, think about this. A lot of our students are trying to escape singleness. One of the, the great reads that I, I have read was set by Sam Allerberry about singleness, and here's what he said. If marriage becomes your one thing, whether it's in a church, whether it's in you personally, if it gets down in your soul, it will ruin you for the presence of the Lord. Now, listen to this. It will ruin you for the beauty of the Lord. It will ruin you for prayer because marriage has become your God. Ironically, he said, I have found if marriage becomes your one thing, you will ruin your marriage. Now, watch this. Look on the screen. God intends for every person, every person, now watch this, intends for every person to engage in the fullness of being single. Now, here's what I want you to know. I think many of us don't have a clue what that is. God intends for us right now where you are. That's where it's got to begin because I want to tell you this. It's not in your notes, but you need to write this down somewhere in your mind. People will mess you up. People will mess you up because people will come to you and say, this is what you ought to do with your life. They'll mess you up. I want to tell you, society will mess you up. We live in a wicked society, and that society will mess us up. I want to begin reading through a little bit now in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because I want you to get the feel of what he's saying. He's here saying he's talking to single people, and he's talking to married people. He's talking to divorced people. He's talking to widowed people. Let me read verse 18. He says this, Was anyone at the time of his call, listen to this, The Bible says here, already circumcised. In other words, he's a Jew. Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Now, what's what it says? Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Anybody amen that? Now, here's the deal. If you're a Gentile or you're a Jew, when God saved you, don't try to change. Now, notice what the text says here in the verse. Let him not seek circumcision. Verse 19, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. But now watch here, single person, but keeping the commandments of God. There's just something about here that I want to pause for a moment and say that many of us missed. People will mess you up. But also this is not in your notes, but I want to tell you this. The world and the flesh will mess you up. You know we live in a wicked time. When I grew up, it wasn't hardly as wicked. The problem in our school was premarital sex and pornography. Am I right? Anybody else a little older? Was that not the problem there? Because we were told in our generation to explore. Don't wait until you're married. Explore that. Or we were told to get as much fun as you can now because then you get married and it's over. I was told that by someone in school. But this generation is different. You see, this generation today faces not only uh, pornea of, uh, of sexual life before marriage, they, they are faced with homosexuality. Some of them are faced with bestiality. Some of them are, are focused and, and have dealing with, with rape and incest and all of these other things. And we're like, wow, preacher, don't talk about that in church. That's the problem now. 
The problem now is that we just kind of sweep it on the rug in the church. Get it soon. So I want to tell you, there's people that are members of our church who are having sex outside of marriage, and it's wrong. See, preacher, you got somebody might know, but in a church of our size, it has to be. There's somebody watched pornography in our church last night. It has to be. There, there's somebody that may be switching partners in the church. I hope it's not to be. And if we find out about it, we're going to love them to Jesus, and we're going to seek to, to discipline them in the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, you're facing people who are one way up front, but it's a world where people are another way over here because, you know what, we, we begin our lives chasing the wrong things. And when we chase the wrong things, we bypass the most important things. Now, now, notice what Paul says here in verse 20. Each one should remain in the, in the condition which he was called, other when he got saved. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not, be, do not listen to this. Do not be concerned about it. You can gain your freedom. Avail yourself the opportunity. For he was called in the Lord as a bondservant, as a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he will be free when called as a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. So don't become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition you were called, therefore, notice this, remain with God. I want you to notice on the screen this quote from Pastor Joey Galti. Here's what he said. God has a destiny for, listen to this, for all people. But most people never reach the destiny because they want too many other things. Watch this. People will mess you up. The world and the flesh will mess you up. And i got to tell you this, you will mess you up. If you go back with me to chapter 5, I want you to see this. Chapter 5 and verse 2, they, they, they were messed up. Here's what it says It actually in verse 1. It's actually reported there's sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that's not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Can you imagine that? Well, here's what the Scripture says. And you're arrogant. In this room, some of us have chased the wrong things so much that the wrong things have become to us the right things. And students, I want to tell you this. Not everything that's been put in you has been the right thing, but there's been a lot that's been put in you that is the right thing. And you've had godly parents, many of you, that have put before you the right thing. But I want to tell you, your parents are not perfect. Amen? And there's dysfunction. There's things that I, I, I told my Beth and I told Keith before he got. So Keith, I want to tell you, there's some, there were some good things that you saw and Sherry and I, but there were some things that, and when you're younger days, Brother Danny, that we had to work on. And so I hope that these don't come into your life. And I want to say to you today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, listen to me. God calls you first as a single person. You say, what do you mean? Write this down. We are, not, as it comes on the screen, we are not born married. Did you hear that? We were born single, and it is for single people that Jesus died. Any, anybody here born single? Raise your hand. Y'all got it. So if you're born single, and you say, but i got to chase these things, God says, no, 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 before you deal with anything else in your life. So let me ask you this today. I'm going to ask at the beginning, I think, of the next service, but I'm going to ask it to you right now. Are you happy? Come on now. I mean, not just occasionally when your team hits a home run or, or you win an event or you get to a party or whatever or have an accomplishment. Are you happy? I mean, I mean just, I mean, really happy. See, we live in a world today that promises us 
listen to me, happiness. But at the end of the day, it doesn't satisfy. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm standing here today literally exhausted from this past week. And I would say this, Brother, Brother Tony, I've been very busy and I think productive. But I had to ask myself this question this morning. A long while before most of you probably ever got up. Keith, are you happy? Students, I'm going to tell you this. If you gain the world and you're still not happy, it's of no value. Can you hear the quietness around you? That tells you that that means they mean it and they understand it. Some of you are busy, but you're not happy. The Corinthian church was so busy, but they were arrogant about their sin. I find today that America is teetering either between a national breakdown or a church-wide revival. And it's up to you to stand in the gap. In this room, we're going to have to make a decision. What are we going to do? How do we want to be happy? There, there's three steps that are outlined in this text for us. One is this. The first step of singleness is this. You've got to become one with God. There's so much more here, and Paul really gets down deep and, and, and into this. Look in chapter, chapter 6 with, you, with me, if you would please, in verse 9. Here's what the Scripture says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. You say, but I've prayed a prayer. I've been baptized. I go to church. I, I, I'm a good person. It's not what the Scripture says. He says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he, he describes some things that unrighteous people do. Here's what he says. Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, idolater, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, no thieves, not the greedy, not drunkards, not revilers, not, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Did I miss anybody in the room? You say, but preacher, I'm in that group. Who would be so arrogant today to say that they did not name your name here in the text? Somewhere in this text, if that's not enough, go to Romans 1, 18-32, you'll see. So, you, by the way, you are in the text. You may even want to move away from somebody who's like, dude, you are in the text. But notice the hope, what the text says. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Have you been washed? Not the physical washing, right? We, we do that here. The washing, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You were washed. Now notice what happens you washed. Then you were sanctified. You were set apart by God. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Here is the deal. You'll never be happy apart from a personal relationship with God. And I want to tell you, it's not a relationship of just coming to church and doing, doing a few things. Look with me in chapter 6, if you would please, down in verse 13. He says, food is not meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now, now notice with me in, in verse 15, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her? For, listen to this, as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit. Have you joined him? 
To join speaks about in a, in a marriage that you're glued together, that you become one. And in a church, it means that you unite yourself to that church and that community. But before all of that, Paul said in Romans 6 and 13, present yourself to God in this intimate relationship. And listen to me, until we understand singleness before God, we're going to mess other people up. Sherry and I started dating. I was, I was 20, 20 uh, 22 years of age. Yes, my, my grandmother thought I'd already gotten beyond the flower of marrying. She'd given up hope, except she always wore me out with it. But you know what? I wasn't qualified to be married at 21, at 22, or 23, or even 24, because I had to learn what this first step was. Some of you in this room have maybe are married and have been a member in the church for a long time, but you've never perfected this first step. You, you're not intimate with God. You're, you're busy. See, some, some of you, some of you will be, have been given a Bible, and you maybe have never read it before now, or some of you have a Bible, and when you pick it up, it's like, whew, the dust. No intimacy. Some of, some of you, that, that if someone asked you to stand in public and pray, it would freak you out. Some of you, by fear, I get that. But others of you, it's because you're not used to it. Someone asked me to pray. You know what they're just saying? Talk to your best friend. That's all that is. Just talk to your best friend. Talk to the Lord of your life. The first step in this room for singleness is that you would become one with God. And that's what Paul was emphasizing. Secondly, the second step is this, is that you would grow in your oneness with God. When you read this text, look in verse 19 of chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Glorify God when you walk on that campus. Glorify God when you go where your work is. I find this so much in people's lives is that, that we fail to understand that God, unless He gets to deal with us, first of all, as a single person, that whoever we marry, we put them in the place of God. That's why there's so much divorce in the church. Young man, there's no woman that can be God for you. And lady, there is no man that can be God for you. For there's one God. There's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. You see, I, I found out that, that Sherry and I, that, that we had a call of God upon our lives as individuals, and by His grace, He put us together in marriage. And some of you are going to hear in a few moments that it's going to be as if I was like, I regret it. No, I don't regret it at all. But I want to tell you, there's some things I gave up to get married, and Sherry gave up to get married. So the, the best thing that you could do for your life would be to embrace the singleness that God has for you in salvation, but then and to be set apart and to grow in that. And don't waste your life. Where well, i got to get married. i got to get married. i got to get married. That is a terrible trap. i got to get married. i got to do this. That, that's what i got to do. Because listen to me, the devil will put somebody that will want to marry you who may not be who God wants for your life. As one guy said, I'll, I'll marry anybody if I could just get anybody to ask me. How ridiculous is that? So let me ask you, are you happy? 
I mean, serious, come on now. Those of you that, 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 are, that, that are married, are you happy? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he begins the chapter, and he's going to talk about sexual relationships between a husband and a wife, and he says that they are to come together, that no longer does the husband have the authority or the wife have the authority. It's God has authority, and that they are to come together. So listen to me. I want you to write this down. Embrace what God has for you. Embrace what God has for you. If he wants you to be single, listen to me. Do it with all of your heart. Look what he says in verse 6. Paul says, now is a concession, not a command. Chapter 7, verse 6, I say this. I wish that all were as I am. Who was Paul? He was a single man. That's what he's saying. But each has his own gift from God. One of one kind and one of the other. Some people are called to be single all their life. and Some people are called to be single for a while. And then to get married. So, so let me ask you, you hadn't heard it yet, are you happy? Some of you have been married a long, long time. Are you happy? I mean, are you, are you just really happy inside? Are you happy on the outside? Some of you are like, man, I'm going to have to have counseling out of this. Good. Because you cannot change until you're agitated and can't take any more of where you are. The answer is not divorce if you're married. The answer is dive deep with God. Now, now listen to this. One author, Lydia Brownback, in her book, Finding God in My Loneliness, I would encourage you to get the book. Here's what, what she said. The truth is we aren't single because we fail to be in the right place at the right time. Or because we aren't sufficiently attractive or because we haven't yet obtained some great spiritual height. We're single because God has ordained it for us today. So that we'll know nothing this world offers is as satisfying as belonging to Him through Christ Jesus. One of these days I'm going to maybe get up or Sherry will get up and we'll be single again if the Lord tarries. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because God never leaves you nor forsakes you. If you're not in relationship, with, if He's not the most intimate thing in your life, People will mess you up. The world and the flesh will mess you up. You'll mess you up, but circumstances will mess you up. And some of you now, the way over what you're facing is to grow in intimacy with who God's made you to be. Now write this down. Thrive in what God has for you. Listen to me. There's things that you, you, you cannot move to the next thing until you get settled down. Now, now, hear this. If you don't get them settled now, you're going to take them into your marriage if you get married. You've got to settle them now. They, they can never be what God wants it to be for your life. In verse 32, there's so much I'm having to sacrifice here. But look in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. I want to ask you this. Are you pleased with the Lord? So if I'm pleased with the Lord, then listen to this. If I'm in a relationship, then I can give them mercy and grace. But if I'm not pleased with the Lord, and sometimes I take it out on somebody around me, anybody else? Now watch what he's going to say. Lord knows how to please the Lord. Verse 33, but the married is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife, and his interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please the husband. And I watch this. I say this for your own benefit. 
to not lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. There is unhindered devotion that God wants you to have. I confess to you. Had I married Sherry, <coughs> excuse me, at 21, it would have been a mess. You say, but you're my pastor, don't talk like that. It would have been a mess. I tell you, it would have been a mess. Because when I, when, when I went away, just before I surrendered to the ministry, I was reading my Bible when I had to. My mother was the prayer warrior in my home and not me. But at the age of 21, when God got a hold of my heart and I had an accident and should have lost my life, it was there in that moment that there began this intimate relationship with God. And friend, here it is. Listen to me. Here it is. Until that begins, you cannot be set up for anything else but failure. And it was in that moment of my life when I began to flourish. I didn't wait till I got married to have my first mission trip. I began having mission trips all throughout our state, leading in VBS and, and doing all at 21. I was a late bloomer. I'd go anywhere. I began preaching. I was a single guy. I, I was preaching all by lane, nobody but me. I mean, I could stay up late. I, I could wear my socks two days in a row. Hallelujah. I mean, they're clean on one side. You open up. I mean, you all know, right? Randy, you know what I'm talking about. You know all exactly what I'm talking about. But now watch. I didn't have to worry about having my wife a car, a roof over her head, and three mouths to feed. I could give myself to God. And I can just remember going on the weekend when I wasn't working, going to a place to preach, and I would lay awake all night on Saturday night just praying. Just me and God. And it was there before I met anybody else in my life where that was going to be my wife. Listen to me. It was there I settled it with God. And young people today and those single watching, it's here you got to settle it. What are you going to do with your life? Some of you just woke up, some of them in this room that are married. The reason the way you are now, the truth is that's the way you were when you were single. If God does have marriage for you, and I'm not saying that He should, the greater thing is to be single for God. But look at the character of the person and what they're doing now. If God's not first priority in their life, you run from them as quick as you can. Unhindered devotion for God. There's so much more here in the text. Look in verse 38. So then he who marries his betrothed does well. And he who refrains from marriage, wow, will do even better. Write this down. Live the better life. Live it right now. You say, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to go home and tell my spouse it's over. No, no, no. It's not, I'm not saying that at all. That would be ridiculous. So, what's the better thing? Develop the relationship, grow in it. And number three, here's the third step walk joyously in the will of God. You know the question that people are afraid to ask each other when they meet each other? Here's the question we're afraid to ask. What are you going to do with your life? That's the question we're afraid to ask. What are you going to do with your life? 
I suspect that some of you never had anybody ask you that this week. There's two things I always ask people. I ask them, first of all, who they are, and I want to hear their story. And second, I want to ask them what they're doing with their lives. Some of you in this room today look at me and you have for years. You may wonder why I'm just not happy. You're not happy. It's not the preacher's fault. It's not society's fault. It's that you don't have. Now watch this. This singleness, joyous walk with God. Keith, you're married now. Suck it up. No, no, no. Mm. No. God put me with a spouse that had the same goals that God had given me. Some of you as married people today need to come before God and say, God, bring us to intimacy with you and with each other, and let's have the same goal. Others of you are single people today. Here are your two takeaways as single people. Number one is this today. It's time to embrace God's view. You're single? Praise God. Praise God! You're single? Praise God! You're single? Praise God! Get the devil out of your head. Quit trying to be something you're not. Praise God! Praise God! You're single! Praise God! You can give yourself totally to God. No distraction. Secondly is this. It's time that you evict the wrong view that you've had. Some of you ought to go home now and call a child and say, forgive me. You ought to call a friend and say, I've been hearing you lately put down so-and-so. Stop it! Let them develop joy in the Lord. So, I don't know if you heard me ask you this today or not. Are you happy? Mm. Maybe I should ask you this. Do you want to be? To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.